Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Happy holidays, everyone. I hope this episode finds you in a safe and well place. And I hope that you are healthy and happy and enjoying some time of reflection and gratitude with family during this. And if you are not, if you feel isolated or alone, I ask that you reach out to some of the resources we have available for you because we want to be there for you in this time as well. You have the heartfelt presence, the 24 hour Zoom room. You have um, many, many practitioners who are here during this time open and available for anyone who feels like this is a difficult stressful overwhelming time for them some may be dealing with loss i again want you to know that we are here um, if you if you need that something else i wanted to talk about was to give you some exciting news about some upcoming episodes so next year i am going to do a series called new faces fresh voices And that's designed to really highlight some of the new and fresh voices that's doing such amazing work in the community. Those people that we want you to connect with and be able to see how this understanding will grow. So again, we're just trying to connect this world through this understanding called the three principles. Also, I want to thank you again to each and every person who's donated to the 3PGC. We truly appreciate your donations. They do help us keep our mission of spreading this understanding throughout the world. If you are interested in creating your own community, international community that is, um, please contact Natasha Swartloff or Marina Galan, or you can email info at 3pgc.org to get additional information on how to do that. I guess this also will be as good a time as ever to tell you or give you my gift for this time. And that's going to be a bonus episode uh, coming at the end of the year where we do a year in review of the podcast starting back from episode one. And we're just going to go through some of the things um, that we've seen since then. So what I want you to do is really send me some feedback so I can point to it and talk about it during that episode because I want to do it as fresh as possible. I'll talk about all the relationships and things that have came out of this podcast this year as we go into the um, new season. Like I said, fresh faces, new voices. This episode is probably going to be one of the most different episodes we've ever had, but I really, really loved it because it pointed to something that I think if we see, we can really change the world with. Um, Dr. Pettis is just an amazing individual, and I, I think you're in for a treat because we do have a special guest on this particular episode, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but let's just get into it. So again, thank you. I hope you're well. Happy holidays if you're enjoying it, and we are here if you need us. And without further ado, welcome to today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> trust me, you're going to be in for a treat. Why? Because I was in for a treat. So not only do we have our guest here, Dr. William Bettit, but he brought a bonus. He brought a longtime colleague and friend and another amazing um, mentor in, in the three Ps, Dr. Richard Connard, and we're about to have a good time. Yeah. And uh, how did we meet? Let's just start there. 
how did Richard and I meet? Yes, yeah. there. Let's go there. Rich, do you want to, Dick, Dick do you want to go? First? You know, I, I'm not sure my 83-year-old mind has everything collectively in place, <laughs> but my remembrance of it was we, uh, we met at the conference that you had related to with uh, Mills and Suarez, right. uh, and then I invited you to come to Bradenton uh, uh, because you were... Uh, and you were in the process of determining what and how you wanted to uh, play out the three principal uh, business component of your life. So by inviting you over to uh, Bradenton, uh, I then, like you say, introduced you to Judy Sedgman, uh, whom I had a lot of respect for. I started knowing Judy when she was a newspaper reporter and, and she did a program called Judy's people. And she really? did. Such, yeah. She did such a beautiful job. She had a daily, a daily thing in the St. Petersburg times. Didn't she do? Really? She did a da daily column. Yeah. She was a very uh, accomplished columnist with the St. Pete times, which is, Considered one of the finest papers. Oh, absolutely. I didn't know that. I'm going to send her an email like, hey, I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> so so Dick and I met in, in Coral Gables, which is the uh, a suburb of Miami on the east coast of Florida. And Bradenton is kind of straight across on the on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Uh, right. And. So, so uh, Roger, Dr. Roger Mills, Dr. Rick Suarez, and Dr. Kimberly Cadu were all at the time under the tutelage of uh, Dr. of Mr. Banks, Sid Banks, and and Joe, uh, Joe Bailey and Christine Heath were doing a were doing internship there. You know where they would come down every for I don't know two weeks for every eight weeks or so they would come down for two weeks and and so Dick and I were. And it was a pretty small group, Dick, as I remember, uh, you know, like maybe there was five or six of us um, right. and from 10 to noon and two to four, uh, mm -hmm. we would have meetings with Rick, Roger or Kimberly. And um, it was a week long, I, I believe a week long thing. And, and, uh, and that's when Dick said, well, would you come over to Bradenton and, and at least check it out and i'm i'm blocking dick on your good friend that i actually um had his uh, uh, an office in his office originally yeah. ed dickerson ed dickerson probably referred i don't know eight six eight hundred people to me in four wow. years wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah and and ed used to always say he'd say about one third of them would come back and say, wow, be so grateful. And, and, and they would continue to see me. And he said their, their health, their bio, their physical health would change their blood pressure. I'd have to lower their blood pressure medicine. You know, they, they, and then another third would come back and say, you know, he's a nice guy, but I don't, it, it doesn't really, uh, yet, I don't think it applies to me. But he said, the vast majority of that third, their physical well-being and their mental well-being from the one visit would change. 
and the, and then there'd be another third that he divided up and and certainly uh, feel free to correct me dick if you remember differently from your conversations with ed because i know you were a longtime friends and he would say then then there was a third that it didn't seem to make a difference but i mean but we're talking about one so to speak. One yeah, one yeah exactly. Yeah. Is uh, that do you kind of remember uh Dick the same way or yeah, I, I absolutely remember the same way because once uh, Ed uh, became introduced and familiar with the three principles, even even his life got nicer. Oh interesting. Uh, but, but the impact to uh, to all of his patients was uh, uh was, was very impactful. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I I thoroughly agree with you. And over the over the years, I've evolved to where I've convinced myself we really have two uh, existences. We have obviously our physical existence, but then we have the psycho spiritual existence. And uh, to me, the three P's uh, dominate how I fit into all of that. And and what's interesting to me was once I once I really got involved with him, uh, my, my life calmed a lot. Uh, I'm a guy who stays very active and involved and that sort of a thing. Uh, but uh, I, I can do it with a calmness that I never had before the three P's. Wow. That's beautiful, uh, Dick, you know, because Dick has always been a mover and a shaker, but what, what I know over the years you've said is that inside you've continued to be and probably even been more effective at, at the moving and shaking that you've done. And he's always, he's been so active in doing um, large clinics uh, for, with volunteers for, to serve the underprivileged and the people that couldn't, getting medical exams for no, at no pay and people that didn't have any means to do so. And, but to hear you say that, what's happened is there's been a, an inc incremental shift. And it certainly has been true for me too, Dick, um, that even from when you met me, I, I think there is a, I've gone much more in the direction from fast and furious to calm and curious. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very well put. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I hadn't done yet, and I'm not even sure how involved I've, I've gotten myself in informing you, but I was just starting to share with Rob uh, kind of what I'm up to and doing at this point. Right. And I wonder if it would be a, appropriate to, to start to tell that story a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to, and it doesn't have to be now, before it or after it, I want to share the, a story that came to me from um, that, those first weeks when I was with Annette Dickerson's office and one of the very first patients that he asked me to see. Um, and I can do that after or before. No, go ahead and do that now. Wait, do, no. Is yeah, that okay, it. Rob? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're flowing. I think, I think it captures, you know, and, and this was so different and so, you know, courageous of, of Ed because he trusted Dick so much he, that he had me come into his office. And so one of the very first patients I was asked to do a consult over in the hospital. And the, the, if I remember, the, his office was connected by a bridge, am I correct, over to the uh, hospital? Uh, actually, it was uh, it, 
a and, walkway. And on the second story or third story, there is a connection. A connection, the medical yeah. Office yeah. And the uh, and the hospital. The hospital. So, so I go over and he says, Bill, we're afraid this lady is going to die. She's got severe asthma. And with the best, I've got the internist, the, the, the pulmonologist, we've, she's, she's going to die. And, and would, you, would you go and see her? Uh, it started, uh, she's had asthma her life, but when her se second husband died uh, that she'd been with for 16 years and a wonderful relationship, he died suddenly and she's in her early 80s. And, and we can't, we can't break her asthma. And so I, I go and there's this lady who is fighting for her breathing, right? They're maybe going to have to put her on a ventilator and she's easy. And when, when she gets enough breath to be able to do it, she sobs and then she gets out of breath and she's wheezing again and this wheezing. And so, so I come and I'm thinking, <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? Right. That would be my <laughs> and, thought as well. So right, you know, accurate, good thought, good thought. <laughs> so, so I said to her, uh, I said, uh, Rose was her name. We'll call her. And I said, Rose, I said, listen, Dr. Dickerson has asked me to come speak to you. And, and I want you to know what I'd like to do is if you can, I can see how uncomfortable you are. And I'm going to talk for a period of two minutes that's all, 120 seconds. If at the end of that, all you have to do is raise up your hands like this and I will go away, there will be no charge, there'll be no consultation and, 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 I, and, and okay. So, so, so she not, I said, is that okay? Can I speak for two minutes? And <laughs> she nods her head, right? So I, I went for it, Rob. I said, listen, Rose, just hear me out. What's happening right now is not related to your husband's death six weeks ago. It's related to your thoughts about his death. It, and and I, whatever words I said, I said, and, and if we can find a way to be at peace with, with what's happened, your asthma is going to be able to be controlled. And whatever, who knows what I said. In the moment, yeah. I was guided by wisdom, you know, and, and I, I'm not facing this woman who's fighting for her life at the moment. And at the end of two minutes, she, mm. instead of go away, waved in. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she just waved more, keep talking. Yeah. And within about five to seven minutes, I noticed that she was breathing normally. She was no longer in, in bronchospasm. And, and then, then we just talked for the next hour and 10 minutes. And there's a sequel to it and I'll be quick because of our time, but she came to see me. And after about eight weeks, eight sessions, she said, doctor, I, I think I'm, you know, this, this will be my last session. And, and I said, Rose, I feel like you're so close to seeing something even more. I'd love it if you'd come back two or three more sessions. And she said, no, no, I, ne I need to, I, I need to stop for now. It's okay. Okay. So, 
So she worked part-time at a drugstore out on the island on a, uh, is it Sanibel? Uh, Anna Maria. Anna, Anna Maria. Maria. Anna Maria, yeah. She worked out on Anna Maria at a drugstore and she's in her early 80s, but she did it part-time for, for, I think, socialization and some extra money from her. Dr. Ed Dickerson actually uh, gave me uh, the keys to take my wife and, and my four kids on vacation to his place in the Smoky Mountains of, ten was it Tennessee, Dick? I don't know where. It was yeah, beautiful. It was either that or North Georgia, somewhere in there. Yeah, within the Smoky Mountains. So we, my four children and my wife and I are in the, in the car getting ready, headed out for vacation, right? For two weeks vacation to the Smoky Mountains. And the phone starts ringing in our house. We didn't have cell phones then. Cell phones, yeah, yeah. And, and I, something told me, she said, my wife, Sue, looked at me and she said, you want to answer that, don't you? And I said, yeah, something tells me I should, honey. I'm sorry, but something tells me I should. And it was Ed. And he said, Bill, it's Rose. We, the, we brought her in an emergency. We've had, to, we, we, we've had to intubate her. I'm afraid she's going to die. Uh, she was working at her, at her drugstore. And would you be willing to come to the hospital? I said, she's intubated? He says, yeah, but we, she was going to die, Bill. That, that's how much Ed cared about his patients, didn't he, Dick? Yes. And I said, so I went out to the car and I said, honey, I, I need to go to the hospital. I said, you know, and all our kids piled out of the, she, you know, she was a doctor's wife, you know, yeah. it, it's an unsung heroes. And they all piled out of the car back into the house. I said, I'll be home as soon as I can. And I went and Rose was on an, she was being intubated. She was intubated. So, you know, and, and, but I knew that her soul was there. And I, I said, Rose, I don't know the details, but I do know that something happened where you got into your thinking and in a way that was harmful and hurtful and innocent. Please know that I know it was innocent, but, but I know, and I, and I just talked to her and she's intubated, she's unconscious, but I'm talking to her soul. Right. So I talked for about 30 or 30 minutes. And, and then I, I, I went to Ed and I said, I, Ed, I gave it my best shot. I, I hope it was helpful. And I, I went back home and we headed to the Smoky mountains. I come back and Ed tells me that within 30 minutes after I left, her eyes opened and she was fighting the, in the, the, uh, the, the breathing machine and they extubated her and she was fine. <laughs> and she came for a follow-up and she told me that that day at the, she was working at the drugstore and one of the young kids had not even called in. They just didn't show up for their work. And she got into you know, these teenagers, you know, like Plato, I don't know if you ever saw that thing that Plato wrote yeah. about yeah. the teenagers. <laughs> these teenagers, they don't have the respect, they don't, you know, and then she started, she got in that line of, of upsetting about these teenagers. And then she got into, you know, not one of them even sent me a sympathy card when my when Joe died. And then she got into Joe's death. And the next thing, she's on the floor in a full-blown asthma attack, fighting for her life. And they call 911 and get her intubated and get her to the hospital. 
And so we sat and, and she stayed for another four or five sessions and she saw the principles deeper and said, doctor, I should have stayed like you wanted me to for two or three more, but I'm grateful that I'm still alive. And I just thought that story is so powerful. Very. Uh, both of yeah, that's, very. that's a great story. And that, and that sort of uh, is a great introduction. I uh, basically, uh, I guess about four, maybe five years ago, I, I had some thought processes uh, and concluded that I was very unhappy with the way we treat our veterans in this country. Uh, because to a great extent, uh, we, we treat them in a, in a way that's a little bit inhuman, and, and they get caught up in the VA, which doesn't include family or anything else. It just turns out being nothing but talk uh, and, and, and man-made drugs, uh, and the, the talk therapy has never worked. Uh, it didn't work previously it's not working now <clears throat> and it's not going to work in the future because it doesn't deal with the essence of what the circumstance was that initiated the chronic stress uh, and uh, so I thought you know there has to be a non-medical or a non-drug related way that we could approach our our uh, our veterans and I knew, of course, that the three Ps was very much a part of that. Uh, but I ran across a neuropsychologist in uh, a suburb of Dallas uh, by the name of Frank Lawless. And uh, Frank uh, had the experience of being uh, an educator at one of the medical schools and was asked by the orthopedic department to... to uh, see some of their patients because they were experiencing a lot of uncontrolled post-operative pain. And so in seeing them, nothing that he tried was he able to have a sustainable result concerning that pain. And at the end of it, he said, so what do you do with pain? And the guy says, Frank, you gotta go buy a drum. And you got to set all these people with intractable pain around the table and ask them to have a single thought in their mind and not allow any other thought to come. And the only thought is that of their pain and start beating that drum and beat that drum for about 12 to 15 minutes while you're reminding them to think only of their pain. And then stop and see what happened. Yeah. Well, at the end of the time, over half of the people left the table pain-free. Yeah. And he became totally intrigued with the effect uh, of the vibrancy and the sound on behavior. Well, he knew he could deal with, with pain with the drum, but he wanted to get into things like anxiety and phobias and a lot of others. And he couldn't, he couldn't make it work. His son is, a, uh, is an engineer and they contrived a little uh, sonic biofeedback device called a, that they call a bioacoustic utilization device. And what it does, it has four knobs and you put a headset on. Lower two are volume, the upper two are frequency. And basically on what was the event that you now are absolutely in, in 
just possessed with and set that frequency at a level that makes your emotional discomfort worse. Then, then he'll say, now take the left upper knob and, and set that frequency to where you start to experience some, uh, some relief of that. Well, what's happening, he's getting two divergent frequencies into the limbic system. And as we look at the limbic system, all emotional events are stored over in the amygdala. And the amygdala has no vocal connection with any other part of the brain. And basically, so the amygdala has all of these events stored, but it doesn't tell you what it's got stored. And when you start to recall it, which you can do by, by the proper therapeutic uh, intervention, it takes that same memory and moves it over into the, the emotionality of an event. And as it does that, you almost see an immediate uh, calming of the, of the limbic systems. You then have a, a patient that is very receptive to, to hearing some new message. Well, I'm convinced that once we see this calming, it, it, we have a, a patient that is very receptive to learning the three principles. That's a good segue, Dr. Pettit, into what he just said on how physicians have done it and it may not seem to be helping. In your field, you know, with the way that you teach opposed to how things are taught in the um, field, how do you look at that now? How do you feel about what we're doing 3P? How does the field growing? Do you see it bridging a little bit better? Do you see it getting farther apart? Um, how is it that you see you know, the profession and then what we're talking about is this understanding going forward in a sense. You know, obviously I'll just speak to a little bit, you know, Dick and I obviously have some differences as far as this, this audio thing that, that, you know, that, that it's an instrument to try to get people a little distance from their thinking. And, um, and I, because so many people like yourself, and, and I've been doing this for almost 40 years now, and I've treated hundreds and hundreds of people with PTSD that have come to a place of, of realizing their essence is spiritual and realizing that, that the connection between their spiritual nature and their psychological and physical nature and, and they've done that without any, any drumbeat or any audio thing, uh, you know, to, with four different, you know. So Dick and I have a, have a little, um, you know, a difference in the necess that need that he feels to do this, this thing that this. And now on the other hand, I will say with uh, as much humility as I can muster um, that um, the day that I stop listening, is the day that I stopped learning. And uh, if, if it, because there were some people that required electroconvulsive therapy to clear, despite my best efforts, at least 20 years ago in teaching the principles or pointing to the principles, uh, they almost blew their head off that, um, that once they had electroconvulsive therapy and their mind had quieted down a little bit, uh, I was able to then, they were able to hear and listen, as Dick says. So if, if this instrument 
does what electroconvulsive therapy or deep brain stimulation, where they're doing now putting putting probes deep inside the brain, if if with this instrument, and so I I am dedicating myself to reading that book that's been on the shelf that Dick had given me uh, within the next couple of months, probably try to do it even over the holidays, because again, if some people, you know, if if, if some people need strong medicines to quiet their mind enough to be able to listen. So if what Dick is talking about and what this man has seen is, you know, universal mind has guided him to help him invent this thing. I, I don't want to be an impediment to that. And, I love and that. yeah, I love and, that. and I mean that. And I, and Dick, Dick reached out to me last night as I was getting ready for bed and God, it's two hours later for him. And he's three or four years older than I. And <laughs> I, so I listened and, and it just made me realize that I do. So I want to say that, that I, that I do want to, I'm going to read that book anyway, but you know, what, what Dick said, pointed out, you know, after, after four years of therapy in the VA for PTSD, 48% of the people meet full criteria, still meet full criteria. In addition, in St. Petersburg, there's a place for women veterans, most of whom are going there for, uh, because they've been assaultive assaulted sexually, often by their own soldier comrades, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and many, some of them um, multiple. And, uh, and, and I, there's about a 38% or 40% dropout from that because I, I've had a graduate student who went through it and said it was six weeks of hell every day I had to talk about how I was gang raped. And yeah, yeah. And, and uh, the best thing about the six weeks was when it ended, I, you know, but so, so to have an alternative to that for the women also, I think is going to be really important that they don't have to sit around and talk about. And, <laughs> and I had, I had Vietnam veteran who was a policeman uh, who got into it with his, with his um, senior uh, police, uh, his boss and started having terrible flashbacks and stuff. And um, and he started coming and getting better, but every once in a while he would get worse. And, and I was, I, it wasn't my normal experience. It, usually it was not necessarily even, but not like this where he would three or four weeks, he'd be doing well and then he'd just crash. And then he'd be, and so it ended up that he, Every about every four weeks, he was going to the VA for his group and talking about his Vietnam experiences. Yeah. And 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 then he he did it only did it every four weeks or so because he would get a uh, regularly get a migraine headache and start throwing up mm-hmm. within four hours of the group and miss at least one day of work and sometime two. And I said to him, I said, I listened very quietly. And I said, well, Joe, how soon do your headaches, your migraines start after our sessions? How many hours does it take before your migraines start? And when do you start puking? How soon after we meet do you start throwing up? And he looked at me and he said, well, doctor, that's never happened. He said, I always feel better when I leave. In fact, 
I feel better. I usually feel better until I go to the next meeting. It's, it hit him, yeah. <laughs> and he, had, he, he looked at me. And Rob, this shows how ingrained. He said, do you think they're connected? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. said, no, what, what do you think? He said, shit. Yeah. Yes, they're connected. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they there was a at the Tampa VA up in um, a big VA there, uh, and they were around the country after Vietnam, and they finally closed them down because the suicide rates from those groups were so high. Yeah, I mean, in 1994, we lost 58,000 people on the ground in Vietnam. In 1994, there at that's 20 what, 27 years ago already. And this is through a reliable source from that knew Washington and, and had been a gunner and a, there it then became a therapist. There were over 300,000 suicides. You know, Dick, I, I just applaud him because, you know, he's trying to say there's another way, you know, there you and, 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 and there, there are people that are doing like uh, Brad Gallup and the Wounded Warrior people, they're using... Yeah, that's what we were on a program, the Mixing and Action guys, Book of Hope. Yeah. yeah, they're using horses and 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 all of these things are trying to decenter people from the content of their thinking mm -hmm. and decenter people from thinking that that's who they are is their thinking yeah. rather than their essence that you talk about, Rob. And, and all I'm saying is that I think I'd love to do comparison, you know, eventually with funding to do comparison studies of three principles alone, three principles with this, three principles with the horses, three principles with this machine that drums beats in your head, but that would be fine. But there, there I think the, the most important thing is for people to have something that allows them to have realizations of their spiritual connection, the connection between their spiritual essence and their psychological and physical nature. What, what you're describing is the missing link and how you take the missing link and you bring those two elements together. But I'm convinced that, that we're doing the same thing because through your talk therapy and the three principles, you're basically getting into their belief systems and you're disrupting the emotionality of events that have created their PTSD. Richard, I, I mean, maybe it's just language, but I don't think that's what we're doing. I think we're helping people access their, their universal divine uh, essence, uh, period. I don't think, now, I think it manifests in ways where they let go of their belief systems, but I, I don't think you're, I don't think getting into their belief systems has anything to do with it. I think it, once people re recognize what Rob recognized, what his, what he, who he really was, and what he was, the other falls away naturally and effortlessly. And I, I think we, when to the degree that we try to get into uh, directly trying to affect the, we're 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 falling into the old trap that the VA has been in all these years. And I know yeah. we differ on that, but we I want to make it clear that we do differ. I want you to no, hold on to your that. thoughts. I want you to hold on to your thoughts. And as I 
do my best to, to share my thoughts and, and experiences, uh, then I want you to reevaluate yours because you see, you're, you're either in somebody's belief system to then be able to be therapeutically effective. Uh, and if you can't get there, like you said, that's that third that, that don't even think it's worth talking about. I'll, I'll say it this way. We're all going to a game. We're using different gates. If we can, once we, somebody, you know, we're all going to the same stadium to see the same game, but the game here is waking people up to who they are. Yeah. And, and if you come through the main gate, main gate may be music. If you come through the back gate, it may be horses. If you come through the side gate, it may be electroshock. If you come through the other gate, it, West gate, maybe, maybe medication. But when you get in the game, none of that matters. What gate you came through to get there because you wake up to who you are. Right. I thoroughly agree. And that's where the three Ps educationally help people therapeutically just come back to a beautiful life. Well, here's what we'll do. I'm going to toss it up. And, and uh, one, I do want to highlight this too. I love the, what this episode has exemplified. Because I, while I can't see one face, I could see yours, but I still know feeling. We can have a discussion and not have to all agree and still love and go and support. The compassion of other human beings doesn't mean I have to compromise what I think or what I believe. And I love that example as well. I'm actually, it actually excites me, Dr. Pettit, that you don't agree with it. Like I, because I, that's more irregular for me to see for you to disagree and do it in a respectful manner than what I see is when you disagree now, Oh, I got to cancel you. I can't go with you. And this, I love that. I, I love, love I, that. I love Dick Connard. Dick Connard is a, is a wonderful soul who has the goal. Oh, I can feel it. I can feel humanity it. And yeah, I can feel it. I can disagree with Richard and still love him and, and listen. And again, like I said, the day I stop listening the day, I stop learning. But I think that's it. I, I don't even want us to do, uh, uh, inspiration. That's what I want to leave people with right there. Mm. That the, 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 the whole impetus of this conversation, even though it may have came to the point where it ended on two different sides, because mm. there is a love, a mutual respect and listening. We still stayed in the feeling by discussing those differences. Mm -hmm. That's all I want. Cause that's the only thing going to stop any of these other ripples we're, we're having along the way. Right. That listening, that listening. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve.